Hey there, folks. Welcome to yet another episode of Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. My name is Stephen Craig, the author of Truth in a Thousand Words or Less, and uh, we are very glad to have you here joining us uh, on yet another Thursday. And uh, this week's column, um, you know, going back to my childhood, I absolutely loved the Muppets. Uh, and so this week, you know, Disney went and uh, Disney Plus, we have the streaming service thanks to the fact that my kiddo loves the Avengers movies. And um, and, and and to be perfectly honest, I, I love The Mandalorian. I'm not going to lie. And so in any case, so we have we have Disney Plus. And uh, of course, recently they've gone and um, released all of the Muppet show, uh, past Muppet shows for uh, streaming. And I was so excited. Uh, my kids have kind of always appreciated the Muppets, at least to some degree or another. And, uh, and so we were pretty excited to sit down and watch it. And as we went to go watch the first episode uh, that we were going to watch uh, with Steve Martin, there's uh, up pops this disclaimer. And of course, since then, uh, I've read about it and seen all the controversy about it. And Disney's Disney in the last month or two has been at the center of a number of controversies. Speaking of the Mandalorian, of course, um, there's the woman who uh, the woman who they they let go, the actress that they let go. I can't remember what her name is off the top of my head, um, but uh, she was. Uh, and there's this whole controversy about whether or not Disney is a part of cancel culture. And uh, I didn't write this column about that. I thought that was another whole separate issue and there was enough going on on the internet about that. But I did find it really interesting uh, that Disney had gone and put this disclaimer. And at first I was like, come on, seriously, are the Muppets really that offensive? Like, <laughs> I grew up watching the Muppets. Um, but I also grew up in an era where there was a lot more um, racism was a far, far more tolerated. And we were a less woke society. And, and it's interesting to continue to hear conservatives talk about the woke mob. It's called treating other people decently. What, what the, the fuck is wrong with people? Like the word woke shouldn't be <laughs> pejorative. There's no way that treating others with the same understanding and respect and appreciation uh, of their culture as you do your own. Um, should somehow or another be a negative uh, and, and people demanding that right. And, um, and so, but I did think, as I said, about this, I was like, come on, maybe this has gone too far. But when I wa sit back and watch The Muppet Show, um, as we sat back and watched, you're like, you know what? Okay, like that's that joke wouldn't be cool today. And there's a reason why that joke's not okay today. And it's not because uh, we're uh, some PC police, um, but rather like that's sh that shit's not cool. Um, so I thought, however, listen, there's been when we get to this idea of cancel culture, of getting rid of things, of going back and trying to erase the past. I got to say that that I've written about this before with cancel culture, and that to me is a bridge too far. Right? I don't want to see us get rid of The Muppet Show. Um, and of course, by the way, a couple of the other uh, things, uh, programs that Disney has been putting a disclaimer in front of is like Peter Pan uh, due to its uh, the way that it deals with the context of Native Americans uh, and Dumbo, which I also talk about in my piece here. So 
which both of which are far more uh, controversial and and certainly racist um, than you might think with the Muppet Show. But again, both are byproducts of the time they were created. Now that doesn't mean that we excuse that racism of the past, but to try to erase it, to wipe the slate clean, to try to speak about why it doesn't exist. I'll give you one more um, example of all this, and it's uh, my daughter absolutely loves, has read each and every single one of the Little House on the Prairie books. Uh, and believe it or not, there are like nine of them. Um, and she's read every single one of them at least three times. And um, not always in order, by the way. That's, she's a weird child like that. But in any case, the uh, going back in time, uh, when Laura Ingalls Wilder was writing her those books, um, she was a product of an era that saw Native Americans differently. And I'm not, that doesn't excuse her, the way her treatment of Native Americans within the context of her novels. At the same time, I don't want to sit there and take her books and just burn them and get rid of them. I want to use that as an opportunity to have a discussion with my daughter about how Native American cultures worked into those books and about why her viewpoints might have been considered to be biased and prejudiced. Um, you know, later uh, in the course of while she was reading them, we went to, uh, this is back before COVID and we could actually go places. Um, but my daughter and I were at a, uh, at, at like a, um, Native American cultural event, um, down in downtown Denver. And, um, I think that gave her an appreciation for not only the culture of the Native Americans, but why, one of her great literary heroes, Laura Ingalls Wilder, um, might have had a prejudiced and biased view towards them. Now, that doesn't mean that she can't still love the novels, and she does. But she can also look and say, wow, Laura Ingalls Wilder, like many of the white settlers of her time, had really skewed viewpoints of Native Americans. We can also see that in, for example, in the rush to ban Huck Finn, Right There was this rush to completely get rid of Huck Finn because of the use of the N-word. I've always wanted to teach Huck Finn because I see Huck Finn and the use of the N-word. By the way, Twain was using it, was using it satirically. Right, The idea, Twain was an abolitionist. Twain wanted to get rid of slavery. But the fact is, is that he also wanted to document the racism of his time including the use of the N-word. And so we can use Huck Finn as a diving board towards, a springboard towards dialogue rather than try to shut it off and try to ban it and get rid of it. And I think with that in mind, that Disney did just that, towed just that line with, um, with what they did with the disclaimer with the Muppets. And so with that very long intro, I bring you this week's uh, Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. It's not easy being green or black or gay. I absolutely love the Muppets. Maybe I just have a thing for banjo playing frogs, but one of my favorite childhood memories was ending weekends by gathering around the television on Sunday evenings and watching the latest episode of The Muppet Show. It ran for just five seasons from 1976 to 1981, but its enduring impact on my childhood nostalgia remains intact. As such, 
I cheered when Disney recently announced that it would be featuring every single episode on its streaming service. My kids have seen other incarnations of the Muppets and appreciated the dry wit, physical slapstick, and often absurdist humor the Muppets have always been known for. So last Thursday evening, after schoolwork was done and all their chores had been completed, we snuggled up in bed and watched a couple of episodes. But when we went to start the one with Steve Martin as the guest star, something odd happened. It seems that Disney now runs a disclaimer before shows that include racially insensitive, homophobic, or misogynistic material. Now, I don't remember thinking the Muppets were racist or anything like that, so I wondered for a moment, what could be so offensive about the Muppets? I mean, was Kermit the Frog dropping the N-word when interviewing Harry Belafonte, or Miss Piggy hurling racial epithets at Joan Baez? But bias can be more subtle than that. For example, in the Steve Martin-hosted episode I mentioned, Gonzo is pleading with Kermit to allow him to perform a dance with a block of cheese. Kermit replies that Gonzo could do the number with a male cast member, but Gonzo recoils at the suggestion saying, that would be weird. I must say that in addition to inappropriately, if unintentionally, intimating that the gay lifestyle is deviant and wrong, it also seems highly hypocritical for a two-foot purple creature, unidentifiable as any particular species, and possessing a schnoz that best resembles an enormous, horribly misshapen dildo, to label anything else as weird. Still, Gonzo's comment does serve to undermine the gay lifestyle and can easily be understood in a modern context to be insensitive, if not downright offensive. But that's just part of the equation here, isn't it? That episode of The Muppet Show aired in 1976 during an era when latent homophobia was still socially pervasive and tolerated. It's a product of a bygone era with greater ignorance regarding the plight of marginalized groups, and its content reflects the cultural perspective of the time. As it turns out, Disney is now doing this with a number of controversial shows and films, providing the same disclaimer before the potentially offensive material. One such example is Dumbo. I haven't seen that movie for years, but when I went to watch it now with a modern sensibility and cultural understanding, I was immediately shocked at just how wildly racist it really is. In one scene from the film, Dumbo encounters a group of crows who pay homage to racist minstrel shows where white performers with blackened faces and tattered clothing imitated and ridiculed enslaved Africans on southern plantations. (laughs) The leader of the group is, get this, Jim Crow a reference to the laws that enforced racial segregation in the southern United States. Later, in The Song of the Roustabouts, faceless black workers toil away to offensive lyrics like, When we get our pay, we throw our money all away. It may not have occurred to me when I saw this film in 1977 that it was overtly racist, but seen through the lens of race relations in the 21st century, Dumbo has some serious explaining to do. Now, I'm not suggesting that we should cancel Dumbo, you know, take him out back behind the circus tent and put a bullet in his head. No, the answer here does not lie in banning the material altogether. We have to understand that this was a reflection of the times in which it was created. In 1941, those racial perspectives were entirely commonplace. That doesn't mean we should turn our heads and blithely ignore the blatant insensitivity towards black culture. Rather, I would suggest that Disney has actually towed the exact right line here. While they have not eliminated the offensive content, they haven't let it slide either. 
bringing attention to it and allowing that disclaimer to bring awareness to the suffering of sublimated groups and spark a conversation about the pervasive societal views towards minorities, gays, and women during our country's long, dubious history with marginalized people. Of course, Fox News immediately had to jump into the fray and start frothing at the mouth about how Disney was canceling the Muppets. They aired an interview with Senator Tom I Wish Slavery Was Still Legal Cotton, who labeled the move as outrageous and appalling, followed by Stuart Varney exclaiming, not even the Muppets are safe from the woke mob. The only problem here is that Disney did not, of course, cancel the Muppets whatsoever. None of the potentially offensive episodes were removed from the service, and none of the controversial material was edited or censored. They simply added a disclaimer, and that is precisely the right bargain to reach in this case. When the disclaimer popped up before that episode of The Muppets, it compelled both me and my kids to stop and wonder what could have prompted Disney to include the disclaimer. As we subsequently watched the show together, our sensitivity to Gonzo's homophobia was heightened, and it led to a productive discussion about how our society's views towards the LGBTQ community has evolved over the years, and where it could still see improved understanding going forward. Rather than canceling the past, Disney has seized this as an opportunity to spark a dialogue about historical marginalization in our culture. We don't need to make these things go away, because doing so doesn't eliminate the checkered history they embody. They are cultural artifacts that can help shed light on our racial past, and help push the discussion forward. Instead of canceling the past and trying to make it go away, we need to investigate its roots and see what lessons it can provide in helping our society evolve toward greater acceptance of all people, be they black or brown or, well, green. All right, folks, that's it for this week's Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. Um, thank you, as always, for, for tuning in. Um, spread the word to your friends. Set it out there. Uh, share this with everybody. We really appreciate it. And I'll be back next week, uh, this time next Thursday, with another episode of Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. Peace.